Hey there, this is Nathan. Welcome to the Camden Haven Anglican Church Podcast. I'm glad you're making the time to listen to this week's teaching. I'll have more to say at the end, but for now, let's dive right in. I wonder what you think it would have been like to meet Jesus face to face. What do you reckon it would have been like? Because, you know, from the record that we have of those who met Jesus in the flesh, it seems that what made him stand out back then and even today is his love. And this love that Jesus had was not a lovey-dovey type love. Do you know lovey-dovey type love? Some people know it. It was a strong love. And what it meant was Jesus was actually a polarising character because of his love. Some people delighted in him and some people despised him. And the people that despised him despised him because he preached love and not religion. And the people that delighted in him delighted in him because he preached love and not religion. I asked chat GPT, do you know what that is? Most, okay, no. I asked Google sort of thing. Who were the most loving people in history? It gave me this list. Have a look at that list. Uh, if you know anything about any of those names, you will know that they were known for their love. But let me ask you, if you were to ask them what was behind their knownness, their name, their known name for love, what name would they say? They'd say Jesus. In fact, there's a couple of names there that I didn't know, and so I looked them up, and sure enough, both of the names I didn't know deeply committed to Jesus. And that's why they did what they did. You might like to look some of those names up and see what they did. But I think it's reasonable to say that Jesus lived out and inspired more love in the world than anybody else ever. Love and not religion is what made Jesus stand out. And so, what ought to make Jesus' people stand out? Love and not religion. Uh, the passage that we're looking at today gives us three vital aspects about love that if you don't know these three things... You will not know love. You will not be able to show love. You won't be able to live it out. So the three things are this. Love, love is a stranger. Love is in the air. And love is a battlefield. Okay? Three points. Love is a stranger. I wonder if you look at verses 7 to 10 with me up there. You'll see that the first thing we can see is that love is alien. It comes 
in from the outside. It doesn't start down here. It starts out there. Love comes from God. God sends love into the world. We only experience love because he first loved us. And then the most amazing three words possibly together, God is love. Notice that it is a bigger statement than God is loving. It is God is love. You know, of all the big words that big brains think about when they think about God, you know those big words? His omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his transcendence, his imminence, his infinity, his eternity, his immutability. I think possibly the most significant word to think about God is the shortest of them all, and it's the word aseity, his aseity. Have you thought about God's aseity lately? Now, if you don't know what aseity means, that's all right, because my computer didn't know what it meant either. It kept saying, do you mean a deity? <laughs> no, I mean aseity. What does aseity mean? Well, aseity is, it refers to God's self-existence, his self-sufficiency, his independence. He is and has all he needs. Think about that just for a second. He doesn't need to find food. He doesn't need to find help. He doesn't need to find anything. I've heard it said that God created the world because he was lonely. You know, he'd been out in nothing for eternity and thought, oh, this is so boring. I'm going to create some people and see how that goes. Well, that's not, he didn't make us because he was bored. It. The idea of God's aseity is built, it's embedded into his name that he gives to Israel, Yahweh, which means I will be who I will be. He is totally self-sufficient. So see where this is going. What his aseity means is that anything he does is not for his own benefit, but 100% for the benefit of what he does. Whatever he creates, he is giving 100% to it. He doesn't get anything from it and gives everything. He all, it is always for the good of what he has created. So God's aseity means that he does everything out of love because he is love. Which means that creation was an act of love. And salvation is an act of love. So the passage uh, in verses 7 to 10, it talks about God sending his son into the world so that 
he won't be lonely, so that he has something to do. No, so that we might live. That's the goal. Do you see how it's for us? And verse 10 will align and unpack verse 9. In that God makes the first move, and when he makes the first move, he goes all in and sends the Son to be saviour and atoning sacrifice. So you could say that God is the one who started the ripple effect. And, and that, that ripple effect that you and I experience even right now, God began when he dropped love into the planet by sending the Son into the world. The, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus made a big splash, didn't it? And the ripple effect is still being felt today by you and me. I, I can only describe the ripples that have been created from Jesus as being a gentle tsunami. Do those words go together? Well... They do that for now. So many people have become followers of Jesus and followers and, and, and understand his love. So here's the important thing. Uh, we are not on about our love for God, first and foremost. We are on about his love for us. It's said there are three types of people in the world. Those who say, I love God. They like to tell you how much they love God. And then the other type of person is those who say, I hate God. And, you know, they don't want anything to do with him. But the other type of person is the person who says, God loves me. Of all the ways that you could describe yourself, and I don't know how you've, if, if you're asked to describe yourself, you might say, well, I'm, I'm Australian or whatever, or Polish or whatever it might be. I do this or do I do that? I work here, I work there, I have this, I have that. The Bible is saying the number one way that you are to, to describe yourself when understanding yourself is the word loved. Everything else doesn't even matter, does it? I am loved by no one less than the God of the whole universe. And why do I know that's because he told me. Karl Barth, one of the greatest theologians, it's said, ever, was asked, what's the most profound thing you've ever learned about God? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Pretty good. Which is really weird. Why the translators of this passage chose to translate the words in verses 7 and 11 with the words, dear friends. That's not the word. The word is beloved. I wonder if your version might say beloved. And you can see the difference, can't you? Next time you're out and you introduce your spouse to someone, try and introduce them as a dear friend. Hello, this is my dear friend. See how that goes. 
Do you see the difference? God's not calling you a dear friend. You are beloved. God is love. He just can't help himself. But his love has a goal, and it is love that he has started in you, but it is to... Is to be complete. He has started, but it is to be completed by you, which is the next point. Love is in the air. Verses eleven to sixteen. Uh, God's love in you has the goal of moving through you, and this is how God's love is completed. When we love others, the goal of God's love is reached. You cannot keep God's love captive. Now, uh, we, had, uh, we had a dog uh, for almost 19 years. And just a couple of weeks ago, she died. So we're all very sad. And what it has caused us to do is have a whole lot of memories about her. And one of the memories about her was when she was a little tiny thing. We used to live in Marylands in Guildford just near Marylands, and we lived on a really busy road called Fowler Road, and Lucy insisted on not being captive and running away. And where would she run? Straight across, mindlessly and aimlessly, straight across the road. If anything or anyone else ran across that road, you'd be dead. But for some reason, she kept surviving. I don't know how many times she escaped. Many. Uh, there was, I think it was one night or two nights, one night. One night, uh, she didn't even come back. And we thought, that's it. She's a goner. And yet, we get a phone call. Oh, I think I've got your dog. You know. uh, Lucy is like God's love. It does not want to be held captive. It wants to escape. But unlike Lucy, God's love is not mindless or aimless. It has content and a goal. Verse 13 says that uh, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given us of his spirit. Now, spirit is in Greek the word pneuma, that we get the word pneumatic from. And what is pneumatic other than air under pressure? Hence, that's why I'm saying love is in the air, because it's literally in the spirit. And the spirit's love is a really focused love on Jesus. It's consumed and obsessed by the truth that God has showed his love for us in sending Jesus to die for us and that he is saviour of the world and lord of the world. And this spirit has directed the apostles to testify that Jesus is the saviour of the world. And what the spirit does in us is acknowledges what the what the apostles said is true, that we believe what the apostles say. That's why the creed says we're an apostolic church. Uh, so, again, this is not lovey-dovey love in the air. It is clear, directed, convicted, wanting others to know the love that is found in Jesus as Saviour and Lord. Friends, churches grow in all sorts of ways. They grow by getting people in sometimes. You get 
get a guest speaker in or you get in a great musician or you get in this or you get in that or you get in great chairs or whatever it might be. But churches actually better grow from the inside out, not the outside in. And it grows when people who have received and live out that love, that unconditional, no strings attached, gratis, free, on the house, open-handed love of another kind, love, in, love of God in Christ Jesus, that they then want to make that love known. So when people come to church... We, we want them to feel like, I, I think I met Jesus today. Some will not like church because, well, they might not like this church, because they're meeting love and not religion. But some might love it because they're meeting love and not religion. Just like Jesus. Uh, this week we had the funeral of a lady called Carmel Douse and we had the opportunity to just ask people to share. Was there anything about Carmel that you really liked? And, and someone, Anne Holly, she says, well, I just want to say one thing. When we first came to this church, Carmel said, hello, welcome. And we realised this is the place we're going to stay. Now, notice what she didn't say. She didn't say, when we first came to this church, the sermon was so good, we decided to stay. And she didn't say, the, the, the music was so good, we decided to stay. And she didn't say, the seats were so good, we decided to stay. But the love was so good, we decided to stay. She met Jesus on the first day in Carmel. But don't think for a moment that this love is easy. And the final point is love is a battlefield. Um, did you see this quite a... Oh, I'll go back. Did I have that one up there? No, that's all right. In verses 17 to 21, it really outlines what I think is the most significant battle that you go through. Because it's the most significant battle that I go through. And I say it again, I see it in me, I see it in you. And that battle is this, to really believe that you are loved and accepted by God. It's my battle. I wonder if it's yours. To really believe that we are loved and accepted by God. Because God sent his son into the world for the express purpose that you would know today that on the day of judgment, you will be accepted. No condemnation. And you can know it today. Because not of your greatness, but because of his greatness towards you. Do you know it? He sent Jesus for that express purpose. And yet so many of us, and I'm really talking about people in this room, are stuck at not really believing you are accepted by God. 
Because you know deep down what you're really like, don't you? You've hidden things from others, but you can't hide them from yourself. And you know God can see them too, and you think, oh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to accept me because of that. There is disappointment hidden in you for whatever reason, and, and that plays itself out in varying ways of being disappointed with others. Now, I'm not a psychologist, okay, so take this with a grain of salt. But I do wonder why people get angry at others about things that they are so often themselves to be. Do, does that make sense? I wonder, why are you getting angry at that person? Because you're, you're exactly the same. Exactly the same. There's this fear, deep fear of being found out and not accepted, which makes us desperate to project that onto others. The Bible is saying here that God's accepting love needs to battle with that fear, with your deep down hidden fear that plays itself out in the way you respond to others. Because for as long as you fear, as long as you do not know God's acceptance, you will not love. You know how they say hurt people hurt people? Isn't it also true that unloved people are unloving people? And those who do not love, often do not love, because they do not know that they are loved. Did that confuse everyone? No. Make absolute sense, doesn't it? And it's important because life is found in love and God's goal for you is that you would live. And the thing is that where we love is where we live. Which means the other side of the coin is where I do not love, I am dead. So think about your life for a moment and ask the question, where in your life are you not loving and in those parts of your life you're dead? How dead are you happy to be? 50% dead? No, I don't want to be any percent dead. Well, that's God's goal for you in Christ Jesus. Because where you love, you live. It's the battle that we are all in to believe that we are actually accepted because of Jesus' atonement. Someone's put it like this. Accept that you are acceptable. Sorry. Accept that you are accepted in spite of being unacceptable. And there's a person who knows they are loved and accepted unconditionally, will learn to love and accept others unconditionally and so truly live. Which is why God loved you in the first place. So you could love like he loves because when you love like he loves, you live like he lives. What an offer. Is there anything else that matters? Is there anywhere more important than you could be now and hear anything more important than that? 
Love is a stranger. It comes in from the outside. The question is, have you received that love? And if you haven't, then receive it today and come to the picnic and you get baptised as well. That'd be great. Just come and tell me. I did it today. I'm receiving that love. I've I'm finally done it. What's to stop me being baptised? Nothing. Hot day and everything's going to be awesome. Plus we have cake, so it just gets better. God pours his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit who he's given to us. So that means love is in the air. It's an escaping love. The way a church grows is from the inside out. We want others to know that love. And love is a battlefield. Remember, it's a fight and you need to allow God's love to battle your fear. When I accept that I am accepted despite, my, despite being unacceptable, I will begin to learn to accept others unconditionally. Begin to learn, note, to accept others unconditionally. And then we will be like Jesus in the world. What would it be like to have met Jesus face to face? Well, we pray it'll be like coming to church and meeting his people. And may it be so more and more. Amen. Hi again, this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that we shared something that's helpful to you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little more about us, we are Camden Haven Anglican Church. We're a church that tries not to be too churchy and more relational. We meet every Sunday. We have four services at two locations. If you want to connect with us, you can find more about us on our website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just send an email to info at havenanglican.com. If this teaching has blessed you, we'd love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. And we pray that we've helped you to grow a little more into Jesus today. See you next time.